Yes. Refresh, refresh, <laughs> refresh. Ah, well, where's the live feed? Live. There we go. Is this it? I think we're on. I don't know what it's sounding like because I've got the sound turned down on the laptop. It might be windy. Um, it might be blown over the mics. So if it gets too windy, let me know if you can't hear. Laura Bitman Ward, hello. Who else is all here? Da -da 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 -da. Mm -hmm. Hi, Chris Harris. See, get me. Karen Clark, what's the Kuchla? Yo, man. Garden's looking great, Wojtek. Uh, Marina Buru from California. David Day, hello, big man. Ray Beaton from Canada. John Mullen, Dennis Martins. Evening from Hastings, Jade Peachment, Cameron Parr, Andrew Musket, Jonathan Parker, Mark Scott. And it's getting faster and faster. Neil Quarrell, Stuart Lemon, hello. Keith Patient, Robert Monroe. Isis Boussons, Hello. And thank you very much for the book. We received it uh, yesterday. It looks interesting. I've not really had the time to look through it, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. Uh, Michael Simmons, hello. Richard Airy, hello. Chris Harris, you should be uh, done you. Andy Balfour, Nick Drake, Mark Stoughton, Paul Maskell, Tim Sycamore, Julian Craven, Tim Borman, Claire Mitchin. I'm hecticated. It's like, what a week this has been. It's like, it's been mental since last Friday, since we launched the pre-order. It's been crazy. We've been spinning plates, juggling greased up elephants, doing all the circus tricks this week. Oh. And getting thrown right, left and centre with some things. So it's an earlier moment. Hello. Uh, hello, Barry and family who are down in Harrington. Thank you very much for dropping off some wine and being... Social distance from my mum, that was very well done of you. Well behaved. And um, thanks, hope you enjoy it. Sorry I never saw you, but we're just not taking visitors at all. It's, um, we've had too much to deal with. Yesterday was um, uh, Blu-ray, the Blu-ray discs arrived. So um, it was, uh, I was watching my mum and I, my mum came through and we watched the entire one hour and 20 minutes interview with Will Smith and the 30 minutes or so interview with Mark Wilkinson and we watched the Garden of Remembrance making off, which I think some of you might have already seen. Uh, it's stan stunning. David Lamb and Anna Thompson's work on the Garden of Remembrance is fantastic. And it's, uh, but the making off video, if you've not seen it yet, check it out. It's, it's really cool. You'll be surprised. I think I said that to you last week. It's coming, it's coming. You know, wait till you see this, you know. Oh. But think from where, I don't know where you'd, where are you? It slipped up the page again. Damn, damn. Take. Oh, take. <laughs> take. There's um, Patrick Dutter, Leipzig, Germany. Claire Wright from a very hot Peniston. It was mental here today. It was about 28 degrees. My greenhouse was going nuts. Um, and, you know, this is it. The summer. <laughs> the one day of summer. 
my mum went out today. She was weeding out of the front garden. I uh, remember the, the car, car parking bit. And uh, I was going, wear a hat, wear a hat. I'm not wearing a hat myself now because it's it's um, it's, it's clouded over a bit. And uh, like I said, it was so windy earlier on. It was incredible. And um, But I was glad we kind of, you know, we were able to do it outside because it, it inside it was sweltering. I phoned up Steve Vance's today and uh, we were, it was gardening talk and garden of remembrance talk. And, uh, you know, he was saying as well that he couldn't go out. It was, it was 32 degrees where he was in Birmingham and he just said he couldn't go out. It was just too much. Richard Longhurst, hello, Michael Hardy from the garden in Newcastle. Yeah, I've got to show you, I'll, I'll really give you a little scoot round. Hopefully I won't lose signals and things. Uh, this is kind of where it's at at the moment. You can see there's the one wheeled bike. Um, we discovered that Liam was going back and forth from Hannington with wheels with no bearings in them. We got the back wheel fixed, then got the front wheel fixed, then got a puncture. And we're still waiting to take it in for the puncture. I, I, I'm not a bicycle repairman. <laughs> that's the garlic. Can you see the garlic there? And that's the fruit beds and stuff. We've got strawberries. Have been strawberries have been kind of weird this this year. It's like we've had some types came on really well. Others were really watery, and I think it was just too much rain. This is one of my pride and joys. This is one of Simona's favourite bits. This is what I call the fernery. If you notice on top of the wall, we got the wall built um, uh, kind of last year and um, it just gave us some privacy and stuff. But it's great because the flowers have actually, the, the sunflowers have been deposited there by birds. So they're like wild sown by birds. But that's my little fernery. Right. It's my absolute pride and joy and Simona's favourite bit. And the roses that you see there, they're damask roses. And it was two damask roses that I bought for Simona when I started um, putting together Rosa Damascus. And um, we've been doing, this is great. Got a little water feature going now. And I put in some, obviously this is funny for kitchen garden territory, but I put in some oxygenating plants and it's incredible how the water cleared up. And uh, I'm not gonna go down there because I'll probably lose the signal. That's my blueberries, and then I've done mixed plantings where this is all my brassicas. I've got my um, red cabbages, kales and stuff, another wild sunflower grown there, the remnants of the salad, and all the beds that have got nets over them are all brassica beds because the cabbage white butterfly is rampant, and it is retaining around my garden like bastards. I was chasing them with a badminton racket the other day, and I got four. There's one. Right there. You see them pining, pining around the netting, and they're all trying to get into the brassicas, but just to give you an example, like how bad it can get, this was, this is my red currant bush, and unbelievably, the red currants, most of them are still on it, and we've been eating them bit by bit. But, you call that? That's all caterpillars. And they did that in about 24 hours. I came out one day and it was just a skeleton of a plant. And then the birds, I hadn't put the beer, the, filled the bird feeders. I hadn't filled the bird feeders. So the birds had kind of got not used to coming along to get fed. And then I filled the bird feeders. 
Buds came along, caterpillars all gone. There's a lesson for you, right? That's why these little flying things are really useful to gardeners because they eat all the bastards, but they don't seem to be well versed in, in killing butterflies. So, uh, Yay, Deborah and Fearless, thank you very much. It is a nice garden, we love it. Uh, Linda Everson Mose, are you garlic be safe from vampires? I love garlic. Yes, and I will be safe from vampires. Now, Mrs. loves it for cooking, she loves it. Now, she's really pleased at the moment because there's a lot of herbs. Oh, God, I've got to show you this. This is brilliant. You can see this in the distance, right? At the side of the cabin, right? At the side of the cabin. There. Those are onions. In front of the onions, that great big bank, that fence of green, that's actually tatties, that's potatoes. And those are fir apple potatoes. The, the bed with the yellow stalks, that's the garlic just about ready to get, get lifted. The last piece of garlic lifted. But the onions are all down there at the side of the cabin. And we created a, a netting at the side so they could dry off. <laughs> you should do a quiz. Rab was up here before his back completely got screwed up. And um, there are 300 onions. We grew. 300 onions, absolutely unreal. And you may remember I had all this onion rot and stuff going down going the beds last time. These ones were all grown at the front and they worked brilliant. And they're beautiful fat things, they're brilliant. Julian Davis, what is the flag? It's a Scottish flag that's a bit pale at the moment. And a European flag that's been basically shredded by the wind, but needs replaced. Yeah. Dean Clamp, great garden for having a beer in. Believe me, it is a wonderful garden for having a beer in. Right? We want to have a party. It's like, you know, at the end of the album, I mean, this place should have been party zone, you know, and everybody up here and dancing about, playing the album and lots of back slapping. And uh, <laughs> on my end. <laughs> George Connor, brilliant black cunts, raspberries, strawberries this year. Yeah, we had great raspberries. Liam, my stepson, goes out there every morning and he picks his raspberries out of the fruit cage for his cereal in the morning. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been pretty good for that. Ties have just been nuts this year, just nuts. But, you know, we, it's the same as everywhere. We just had this incredible downpours and then cloudy days. And then you got a day like this at 28 and tomorrow it's supposed to be let back down to, like, you know, 10, 12 degrees. The plants won't know what's coming at them. But it's... Uh, but the pumpkin patch, which is too far away for Wi-Fi. <laughs> we don't have Wi-Fi in the pumpkin patch. Must address this. Talk to the owner. And, um, but the pumpkin patch just exploded. And them and nasturtiums. My wife didn't like nasturtiums. And I kind of liked them. And so I put a lot in, not realising just how much they sell seed. And we have got tons and tons of nasturtiums. And nasturtiums, funny farm kitchen garden mode again, if you plant nasturtiums, you can eat the um, you can eat the flowers. They're a bit peppery and they're really nice. But nasturtiums are what they call a sacrifice plant. That's the toilet behind me, by the way. <laughs> it's a sacrifice plant, and basically the cabbage white butterflies love nasturtiums and they lay loads of eggs in nasturtiums. So basically, what you hope is they get absolutely knackered laying eggs in nasturtiums, and the nasturtiums get all eaten, and it saves you your cabbages. Oh. Who would have thought? All these years ago, you'd be sitting watching the lead singer of that band like on tv 
or on your laptop talking shit about gardening rather than the cut of the cocaine this year. It's very good, so they say. Pick your things from the garden. Yeah, watch it. Don't put them up on the on the on the thing now. Oh, you blocked it, man. Um. Okay, I'll do some questions while the while the timeline clears. This one, the song that I'm going to do today, is Perception of Johnny Punter. That one got a lot of votes, and when I got it, I went, "Oh no, this it's it's." It's complicated. That means I've got to address sunsets and I also have to address Bosnia. So I'll do a couple of wee things just to get myself warmed up. Right? Um, <laughs> oh, okay. It's these ones. Tosh sent me through these last week. Oh, uh, Tosh, hello. Uh, Andy L, hello. Um, I did get your shirt and oh, I'll do the text shirt first. You'd be really proud of me this week. I've been doing a lot of interviews in amongst all the kind of firefighting with the, the, the website and the mail order. Not serious firefighting, but I mean, it's been like whack-a-mole this week. Um, we did the broadcast, I did the broadcast last Friday and on the next day, Simona and I, uh, Simona was through in the office for nine hours and I was at the, in the control room for nine hours just dealing with emails coming in. Right? And uh, is this, da, 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 do you get this, blah, blah, blah. And um, nine hours we spent <laughs> on Saturday. And on Sunday we did about three and just said, nah, we're taking a break. But it's just been lots of little glitches and things thrown up that we've been fixing. And, and we're having to, you know, get in touch with people. This United Kingdom thing that happened on the website, I apologise. I really sincerely apologise if anybody like got the info about that. I was told that it was a case of, you know, that people were like trying to play about with the postage. I don't really think that's the case. So if anybody took Umbridge or whatever, you know, I'll take that. I was badly informed about that. And um, we've been sorting those glitches and other ones and Simona's been getting in touch with people. One thing, we cannot take money here. We can't, like, you can't phone up or whatever and, and give us money. You can't do that, you know? So you have to order through the, the mail order site. And if there's something goes wrong with the order, if you put your wrong address in or, it change, or the postage is wrong, we have to contact you and we have to cancel the order and you have to reorder, which is one of the reasons why I try and stress, please just take time, be patient and put your address in properly. All that stuff with the United Kingdom and like the, 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 the fixed base on it and stuff like that, just put your right country in, it works. We're, um, as I said, it's been, it has been whack-a-mole this, this, last, this last week. But Samora's been doing brilliantly, getting in contact with people. Don't worry, if there's something wrong with your order, we'll fix it, trust us, you know? It's, uh, but remember, it's just me and Simona, you know? And, um, you know, Simona's been working well. Uh, there was a lot of orders came in on the back of the, um, the, the, the pre-orders. So she's dealing with them and sending them out at the same time as making sure that the pre-orders are all registered correctly and there's no problem with addresses. But we're getting there. But tech, right? That was one side of tech. Um, I've been doing interviews, where mostly with BBC stations around about the UK. And, you know, <laughs> when... People start asking me, well, how are you going to record this? Now you're going to do this. It's like they don't, because they live in a studio, they think I've, I've got engineers and like, you know, I've got lots of minions running about that are tech geniuses. I don't, right? 
So when I got told about, you know, I have to do this, that, this, I was, oh no. And the best one was that uh, they wanted me to, I had to basically, I did the interview on, on Skype. Right? And that's it, you'll be, you'll be proud. For those of you who know these programs, this is number 19 tonight. No, 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 19. Right, me tech, right? I managed, right, to do an interview on Skype where it was BBC World Service, that was the one I trained in. And then I did another one. I did an hour, an hour long interview with a German radio um, journalist today. And um, Mr. Zimmer, if you're watching, hello. It was great talk, by the way. So I have to do the, the I, I talk on Skype, right? Then I've got to put headphones on to stop the bleed from the speakers going onto the iPhone on which I record on my recording app, my little recording app. And um, Oh, I found something on there. That's interesting. But so I've got to record it on the iPhone, right? And then I get a really good recorder on the iPhone, which has just got my voice in it. There's no bleed from the speakers. So then after I do the interview, I've got to save, right? And then I've got to let organise. So then I've got to get it from the phone. And then I had to get it from the phone to my iCloud. And then get it from the iCloud down to my desktop and from my desktop on an email to send to the journalist. Yeah, only a very few swear words were thrown in the general direction of my family. And I managed it. I managed to do all that, right? And I was really, really proud of myself. You know, really proud that I managed to master it. But then again, I was just, uh, before I came on here, I was panicking a little bit because tomorrow is the first day of the, the Scottish football season. And um, I'm a Hibs. My wife and I, Simone and I, are both season ticket holders. We bought our tickets months ago. And because we bought season tickets, we can tap into Hibs TV and tomorrow Hibs play Kilmarnock and we can watch the game. And I'm going, I've not had a code through. It's, I was doing you. I was doing exactly what you do. And I'm going, who'd I contact? How'd I do this? And I'm following this. And I did, I did exactly what I hate. My, I hate about this, right? Read through the email. I didn't read it through properly. And it was like, da -da -da, please put in your name. And it took me about five tries to get it. And I've now got through to the to the area where I'm seemingly I'll, I'll, I'm going to be allowed to watch Hibs TV and watch the Kilmarnock game live tomorrow in the in the control room. So, but I was <laughs> I know what it's like. I'm like that. I'm 62 year old, and I freak. It was the same when I had to take that interview. I've just done an, an interview for an hour and ten minutes, right? It was a great interview, right? And then you're sitting there staring at this file, right, on on your phone, right? and you've got fingers like that. You know what I mean? And they ain't, they ain't designed for playing about with small digital devices, right? These are big, lumpy fingers. Look at them. Look at those hands, right? And, um, and you get petrified that you're going to lose the file and the hour and ten minutes is going to disappear. And, uh, but I managed to get it and I did it. But, but, I did an interview very earlier on in the week. It was quite funny, actually, because it was... Um, I'm trying to think. It was... Uh, um, it was Sue. <laughs> I've forgotten. There's so many this week. Anyway, Sue, I did an interview with Sue. I think it was, it was Wilshire. And um, uh, we did the whole interview. It was only 20 minutes, right? Which wasn't, but you Sue said, well, I'm going to do this new thing. And she was working at home. And we're having a goobie natter on the, we're talking on the, the, the Skype thing. And it was like, she said, well, we have to do this. And we went up to this new app. I don't know what it is, but there was this new device that I had to go and click through a website, you know, and then go through the fear and go, oh, 
right? And then we did this interview, and uh, she forgot to press save at the end of it. And I did the interview, and it was great. It was lovely, you know. Then I got a message from my, my press guy saying, uh, uh, Sue needs to do the interview again. It didn't work. So we had to do it the, the, basically the, a day later. But the great thing was, right, it was... Um, I had this thing, fish about fish, fish about fish, fish about fish, right? And I had to answer these four questions, right? And I got, the first time I did it, I got one of them wrong, which is, what is the name of the person with the fish name on Dad's Army? Yes. Pike. Then it was, what's the name of the haircut with a short at the front at the back, long at the back? Fishy. Mullet. Then I had... Who's the name of the weather broadcaster who um, who missed the massive storm that hit the UK? Michael Fish. And the last one was who was the, the who's the leader of the Scottish National Party? Nicola Sturgeon. The first time I did the interview, I got the private bike thing. My mind went block, and I forgot private bike. And so the second time, I was able to elaborate. So it was like a wonderful Scottish first minister, leader of the SNP, Nicola Sturgeon. Da da da, Michael Fish. Da da da, blah blah. So it was good. So I won. I, I won at the end. I didn't win anything. Didn't win a chocolate medal. Nothing. But it was. Uh, but yeah, there's been a lot of uh, BBC interviews and all different methods and ways of recording and doing stuff. And you know, it's the usual stuff you've got to deal with as well. I mean, uh, it's um, you know, we'll be with you in a minute, fish. And in the background, you hear ding, 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 ding. Oh, fuck. I have to really try. I, I really have to button my lip, you know, when you, sometimes when you do interviews and like the first thing they go on is start asking about self and blah, 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 blah. It's like, I'm here to talk about a great single. And um, um, as much, I appreciate, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I appreciate that, you know, the biggest single I ever had or I was ever involved with was Kaylee, right? And that Marillion had Kaylee, Lavender and Communicado. But it's like since that point, it's like there's none of my songs exist. You know, you're living albums, which kind of it does irritate. It does irritate something, but you just got to button your lip and go, "This is it." You know, maybe this song will eclipse. You know, blah blah blah. And it's um, but at the same time, it's uh, uh, it can be infuriating when you know, and you've got to try and steer the interviewer away from it. You know, I don't want you know, I'm only on for like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, so let's not talk about thirty-five years ago. Can we talk about kind of now and things? And anyway, so I had a lot of interviews and of course now I've got the fear. So I've got to set my phone up with the alarms because I've got a list of interviews coming into me. You know, it's not as if, you know, I go into what I normally used to do was you go into a studio and you'll have a lot of interviews on the one day and stuff and the big batches. Now I've got interviews like pinging at me, you know, so like this morning was 10 o'clock, interview with Germany. And it's like tomorrow I've got an interview at one o'clock, I think it is. And then I've got another one at five, so I've got to set my phone because there's times where you, you know, it, it comes around, and you go, ah! you know, and there's some <laughs> somebody sitting there live somewhere in the UK going, uh, we were expecting to get a phone call from Fish, uh, it seems to be missing, and the last thing you want to be doing is being on the lash, Hi-ya! and that has happened, but it's like you know, uh, there's been a there was one interview a while back, I, I think it was with Andy Fox, if you're watching Andy or <laughs> hello, Andy Fox down in, down in uh, Bristol. And uh, it was like I completely for- forgot Andy was going to phone, and he phoned me up, and I, and I was to the wind. Right? <laughs> I'm very sorry. 
Am I making sense? It's a terrible connection. <laughs> oh, God. Reload. Watch it, you've just screwed up my whole pledge. Coming back in. Coming back in, coming back in. Come on. All right. Ian Miller, 13 stars of Belting Album. Yes, it is. Thank you. Uh, Simon Farquhar. No, I'm not talking about that. Uh, Green Samori, Oregon. Missed that one. Oh, yeah. David Abbey Abrahamson. Steve Welsh, don't blame you having three-quarter of your career ignored. Must rip your knitting. It does. It does, you know. You know, why do they play Just Good Friends or something like that? Like, you know, and... um. He said, bah. I've not got long to go. <laughs> Terence Quidlin, you want to be careful. You'll be getting techie vacancies going to PC World. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, just to bring you right down there. I mean, yeah, I've done great with the tech. You know, well, with that one element of tech. Apart from the Easter Road tech. Because I, I wrote emails into the contact center. Can you do this? Can you do this? And I thought, this is what happens to Simona. And I wrote, I'm really, really sorry. I've worked it all out. Because I had to go in and tell them, just in case some poor wee valley in Easter Road was like chasing, going like, oh, that's fish. Uh -huh. Dennis, Abbey, any great Gary Moore stories? Yeah, I have. Not today. It's, uh... Thomas Colano, hello. Yeah, Wojciech, no boys. Sorry, yeah. Wood pigeon. You can hear a wood pigeon. There's loads of stuff. Wind chimes have gone quiet. Only slightly in the back. And a pigeon strikes off southward. Um, it's a lovely night. It's a light. Dan and Mel's cool. Oh, yeah, a couple of birthdays. Um, uh, Andrew Briggs. My wife is a total fan. Um, joined Fishing Friday last week. Yeah, and her birthday's on the 4th of August, right? So... It's not exactly today, but I can do this, right? So, Karen, right? So, Karen Briggs, have a very happy birthday when it arrives on the 4th of August. So, you, yes, absolutely. And the other one was from Rasmataz. And, um, uh, Rasmataz, do a. Oh, what? I don't think. Usually, you should be recording something. Forget that. Don't. No. All right. Wife says I shouldn't do that one. My producer lurking in the background. Uh, um, okay, questions. Tosh, did you consider asking Steve Rothery or Mark Kelly to contribute to the album? I did at one point, and I thought, nah. It was, um, you know, I, I've been doing it on my own for this long, and with no disrespect to the guys, because it would be, re it would have been really nice to record something, you know, but. I just felt that, you know, I've been doing it for this long and I thought, you know, if I bring Steve and Mark in, it just comes on and it just, all the old questions get thrown up. You know, when are you going to go back? Is there going to be a reason? Blah, 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 uh, right? And, um, and I just thought, you know, I've got my own guys and, you know, and I didn't want to sonically go take a, a, a walk back 
I was kind of, you know, I was moving forward with this album. This is me moving into end game stuff. It's this, you know. So yeah, it would have been nice, but I decided against it. I just thought it might be a bit twee, and I mean that in the nicest way. It might have been a bit gimmicky, you know. And I didn't want this album to have any gimmicks on it, you know. It's like the album is the album, and it's the album that Steve and Robin and Foz and John Mitchell and I all kind of wrote upon and it works. Um, uh, oh yeah, the mask, Razzmatazz. Um, the buffs, the green and white buffs, um, they're just about sold out and we're really surprised that, you know, they've gone down really well and people ask for a different colour and so we've done a different colour, we've ordered a different colour so we've got a blue and white one now. So it's, um, you'll be able to look nice with your jeans, wearing with your dungarees on a night like this. Warm, bammy evening with an Erdinger alcohol fry. It's joyous, absolutely bloody joyous. Uh, so, Queen McIntyre, when will the Fish and Friday dungarees be on the website? They're on now. No, I'm still selling dungarees. We're not going down... We're not going down. This, you know, this haber, this haberdashery, and this haberdashery. Dungarees are not the haberdashery. Well, the personal statement. <laughs> but I do love them. I do love the dungarees. So, Razzmatazz are doing, doing, the, they're doing a. It's like a, a royal blue kind of. A, it's a nice blue. It's a bright blue and white. Same as a green one, but it's blue, right? And um. I've seen some of the drawings, the initial drawings for the, the, the Fish and Friday cartoon t-shirt and for the Funny Farbing shirts. It's looking really good. And I might have something next week. Stuart Beale is, is my man and he's out there and he did some really lovely little cartoons that he sent through this week and they're cool. They look, they look really good. It was, uh, so yeah, so they'll get sorted out at some point, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the Funny Farm Kitchen Garden shirt sorted out. And the, it's, what am I going to put on the back of the Fish and Friday t-shirts? I mean, do I put every date down with the studio written down on it, you know? Friday, March the 13th, Aberdeen Lemon Tree. We told him not to go. Uh, uh, yeah, Dean Davis, 13 star. I think I did this before. It's not in the, the store. I didn't realise it sold out. I, I, I thought we had a lot of 30 stars left and we don't, they've all gone. Um, so I'm just going to let it run now for a while until Steve Ansis and I put together a 30 star. It's going to give us something to do while we're not touring and it gives us something to do between it and it gives Steve an excuse to come away and come up to his cabin. He loves his cabin, Steve. Really loves it. Uh, Scott Simington, would you consider writing a song called Lockdown all about what we're experiencing at the moment? No. No, I'm not doing that. I'm, uh, no, I'm not writing a song about lockdown. Sab Stories I did before, Sean Michael Flynn. Uh, Robert Hanna, wouldn't it be nice to get a box set of all the Fish singles? No. It's, no, it's, you know, singles are spingles. It's, um, you know, I think singles are all part of an album. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Bula Bays was a great best of album. I really liked that album. I liked the track list on it and it was great for its time. It's now gone, it's deleted, sold out. It was uh, um, um, during my time on what became K-Scope Records. So, uh, 
But yeah, I, I don't I don't know about our best stuff now. I mean, maybe oh, not thinking about it. So, um, Alex Stewart, throughout all of your tours, any Spinal Tap moments really stand out? Lots of them. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll feed that through. I'll feed Spinal Tap moments thread that goes on. Uh, Phil Collins. <laughs> this is honest. It's from Phil Collins. Hi, Fish. Is there any chance you can produce some garden merchandise such as pots, watering cans, and other garden stuff? <laughs> from Phil Collins. Dear Phil. Uh, um, no, we're going to, we'll do shirts. We might do hats. You know, useful things, but I'm not going down. Like I said, I'm not going to go down the haberdasher route, and I'm definitely going down the garden hardware route. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, get your shuffles here. Little pots, watering cans with fish on them. <laughs> nah. Uh... Um, yeah, Andy Lyon, blah, blah, blah. Sarah Amacob, etc. Sasha Hames, greetings from Berlin. I hope to see you live as soon as possible. Yeah. It was interesting. There was a, there was a film on, uh, I think it was, it was on the independent, independent newspaper site. And it was, uh, it was the film of that, the, 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 the pub, gar, the, the pub car park in Stone or wherever it was. And it was, and the, what caught my eye was it said, filmed by a sound engineer, right? By a neighbouring sound engineer. And it reminded me what Radar said. Radar, Steve Kent, if you listen, hello, Radar. And, um, and Steve said, you know, he's in Manchester. And he actually told me about a week and a half ago that he was getting pissed off, as were all his uh, musician and crew friends, because people were just ignoring you know, what was kind of going on. There was no masks, there was no social distancing. Bam! Now we've got lockdowns happening all across kind of that, that Manchester area and things. And it's, um, but it was interesting, it was filmed by a sound engineer because, as Radar said, you know, while people just ignore it and just carry on without any care about, you know, people that are not considering social distance, people that aren't wearing a mask, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What these people, these, all these people are doing is they're stopping us from working because as long as the R rate is where the R rate is, there will be no gigs. And as I said to a journalist the other day, I mean, you know, we're combat... We, we need to get things really cleaned out out there, right? And, and, you know, we need to get the infection rate, like, so far down before we can even consider gigs. I mean, you know, as I said, you know, my 87-year-old mother's, you know, through there in the back, and... um you know, I'm 62, I've, I'm in that category because of illnesses and, and recent years that, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not a healthy, fit young man, you know. And, um, you know, until the R8 comes down, we're knackered. I mean, and, and if it's out there, I mean, if Roger Waters joined up with Floyd and was playing the Haddington Corn Exchange tomorrow night, I wouldn't be there. Put it that way. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. Therefore, if I feel about it, and I'm a musician, I'm a singer who wants an audience back in a venue or venues as soon as possible. It's, um, you know, if I'm like that, and, you know, what's, what are the people like that go to gigs? I mean, you know, we have to get the confidence back and we have to get, we have to drive it down and we just got to follow the goddamn rules, you know? Because until those the, the rules are followed and until... We've got an infection rate sorted out. There ain't no gigs. 
right? Because nobody's going to allow people in a, in a crowded, packed venues. And I am so looking forward to it. You know what I mean? The night that I walk out to that microphone, to a sold-out house somewhere, and with the night we walk out to a packed audience, that is going to be a brilliant night. That first gig coming out and... Oh, so looking forward to that. Uh, Rich Keeler, hi fish, is your garden wall made of local stone? Uh, yes, it is. It's all, um, all the stone that's in, in the wall is what they call robbed stone. Uh, robbed stone is built, uh, stone that's taken from old buildings, it's getting reused. So all the stone in that wall uh, was, was, it came from basically old farm buildings. Where the, the, the garden is at the, at the front, where the cauliflowers, when the, the, all the brassicas and everything are, I'm waiting on my cauliflowers. When all the brassicas are, it's, um, uh, that used to be a big shed. And I, I did a, pre a story in a previous Fishing Friday about the bats and the bat colony and stuff. And that was the shed. And also from my neighbours, um, they uh, restored an, an old building that was between my property and, uh, or it's in their property, but it was on the edge of my property. And it had been an old ruin that, that I'd kind of, I made a terrible mistake. It was like when I, when I, when I moved into the studio, when I kind of, I had to buy the studio after everything went horrible in 2001. And uh, I wanted to keep that building, but, I was so busted, right? I was absolutely busted. I had nothing, right? And um, the central heating system for the old house that I used to live in was um, was in the, the kind of, what we used to call it the producer suite because back in the days of the Funny Farm Kitchen Garden, sorry, the Funny Farm Recording Studio, how'd you get mixed up? The Funny Farm Recording Studio, we had this little room with a shower on it and that was the producer's suite, right? And uh, Elliot Ness used to go in there. He used to stay in there. He trashed it a few times. Elliot, if you're listening, I'm sure you remember. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, so I couldn't afford to move the central heating. Uh, I didn't have anybody to put the central heating boiler, so I, I lost that, that one. And I had all these fantasies at one point, you know, of like maybe I could turn it into a pub, right? I thought, my own personal pub, where you just have like six of your mates up and a can of beer, a, a, cake, a, a barrel of beer in. But it never happened. So, uh, but when they they did all the, the the work on the restoration, they were getting rid of a lot of stone. And I said, you know, if you're throwing away, I'll have it. And we brought it in, and we constructed the wall. And I've got a very fine wall, a very fine wall, with a shooting step. <laughs> it's great. And as I said, there's the damask roses and the big concrete roundels, which are actually um, they're uh, drainage pipes. They're for their field drains, their sections of field drains. And a friend of mine got them and we, we turned them into uh, raised beds. And I've grown to love them. I've actually grown to like them over the years. We, we, we kind of went, what do we do? Do we paint them? Do we cover them in yogurt and let the moss grow on them to make it, you know, a bit better? We use the big fat fingers to get rid of that. Yeah. So it's uh... Ray Lambert, Ian Anderson has his fish farm. Did you farm any Ian's? Did you farm any Ian's? <laughs> I don't know what that means, yes, Rilan, but you're quite right. I don't know what that means either. Right. Um, Robert Olsen. Yeah, don't send pictures on this timeline. Don't do what Wojciech did. Yeah. 
Chris Bachowski, hello, Poland. Uh, Andrew Green, so true, we need to get on on this. David Green, hello from Liverpool. Petra Diega from the Netherlands, hello. Laura Bittman Ward, wear the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what time are we at? We're at 20 to 7. Okay. I'm going to do the introduction first, and then I'll take you through, and I'll, we'll play the, I'll play the song. Uh, um, vape. I mean, this is, this is dodgy, because I go into dodgy territory here, and it's, it's live. And the question was Terence Quinlan Hi Fish you ever been asked to entertain the British Armed Forces yes I have worked with the British Armed Forces on a number of occasions um, I there's so many stories I could do there could be th three Fish and Fridays where my stories from the, the fun and the experiences that I had around working around the British Army. I wasn't in the Army. I was, uh, I, I was employed by CSE. I think there was CSE, Corp Corporate Combined Services Entertainment. Um, I've always had a kind of relationship with the Army. I've had members of my family served. Um, I nearly joined, you know, I've said before on a previous Fishing Friday, you know, I nearly went to Santos, Welbeck, and I, I wanted to, to join the army, but I mean, you know, it's, I would never have dealt with it. No, you know, not well, not that, when I was that age, no. So, and then 1982, Forgotten Sons, and Forgotten Sons became uh, much loved by the British Army, or the British Armed Forces, and during the Falklands, uh, it was played a lot by the troops. And it established a relationship with the troops combined with when we went to uh, Germany and in, in, in kind of that 83, 84 period, we started to play a lot around the bases like Osnabrück and, you know, around about Hanover, Minden and places. So we had a lot of squaddies coming, coming to see us. And, of course, always the interviews were... Um, what was it, uh, BFBC, uh, British Forces Broadcasting Service, BFBS, and Tommy Vance worked for BFBS. And not a lot of people know that, but Tommy Vance um, had his share of problems in his life. And like most of us, we enter into a dark area where sometimes you're not as um, wanted, right? And Tommy Vance got a bit of a reputation and the British Forces Broadcasting Service um, basically came in and gave him a job and he was forever uh, grateful for that. And Tommy and I met on doing a show for the, the, the British Forces Broadcasting. And every album that I ever put out was um, uh, always accompanied by interviews. I did interviews in, uh, across in, in Germany, yeah, and things like that. So I had a relationship that was going on. And like I said, there was Forgotten Sons and da da da. And it was still back in, um, in, in, it was 1996, and I needed work. We were kind of, I was struggling a little bit, and we, we needed to find gigs and and put these gigs today, my, my gigs together to keep my band together. 
And my agent, uh, Nigel, um, phoned me up and said, do you want to do, well, actually, he was down in London. He said, I've just had a phone call. Do you want to do, do you want to go to Bosnia? And I was like, oh, Bosnia? And this was kind of not that long after the war. And it was the, I've got to get this right. It was the stabilization, the implementation force that was in I-4. And then there was S-4. We went to Bosnia twice. And they had different names for the, the, the I-4 was the implementation force of the Dayton Agreement. And I'm sure I'm going to get loads of little things coming up going, no, nah, no, nah, it wasn't that. But, so what happened was we got the offer and we said, yeah. And we, we got all this paperwork through, which kind of like freaked me out a bit because it was like, you shall not talk to uh, um, the kind of like the private soldiery unless there's an officer present. You're not allowed to talk about religion. You're not allowed to talk about this. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to swear. I mean, you're not allowed to swear, right? And blah, blah, blah. Reams of rules and regulations came at us. And I'm going, oh, you know, am I, am I going to get into trouble? Right? And, um, and we went down to, to Bosnia and it was probably the most incredible, amazing experience I'd ever had as a touring musician. You know, there's, there's so much to go into. The, 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 I mean, within the memoir, within the autobiography, you know, I can expand into areas. Here, it's kind of difficult because, as I said, it can go on and we've got things to do. But, um, but you know, when I went down there, it's like, you know, you're getting mind drills and... You know, because there were still a lot of landmines, a lot of mines lying about. And um, and they were in the verges at the side of the road. You were told, you know, I mean, it was really weird. You know, you were told when you get off the bus, you know, don't step on any any soft ground, always step on hard ground, because it was one of the things where they, they could put mines at the side of the road. So when the truck drove up and put a wheel off the side of the road, kaboom. And, you know, it, that influenced uh, the song Tilted Cross, which is on the, the Rain God's was Zippo's album, am I correct in this? Yes. And, um, and, uh, but when I went down there in 96, it was, um, it was carry. And we all, we were given flat jackets. We were given all these things about, you know, da da da, you must follow this. And the first gig I went out to play, um, the first show I did, we, we did it to about maybe 200 guys, 200 soldiers. I can't remember, off, I should have, checked the name of the gig before but you walked out and I'd never been out and played to an audience that was all dressed the same and it was like oh this camouflage it was just like you know 250 guys all dressed in camouflage and the thing was that we went out and there was a comedian right and there was some pretty dancing girls and I think yeah I think it was a comedian and the dancing girls and us I think there was a, a magician as well I can't remember him I'm sorry I've forgotten him but it was just the dancing girls and the comedian right and we were all set up and it was like we had to kind of, um, they put us on before people and stuff. We went out and did the first show, right? And we tore the place apart. Um, there was some wild stuff happened down there. I mean, uh, the very first night I was there, you know, we, we kind of went on and I wasn't really sure how to take the oil, how to deal with it, how far I could go, you know? And then we kind of, I just pushed the button and went, you know, it's entertaining, let's do a show. And the place went crazy. And they were up on their feet, lucky, internal exile. And I ended up dancing where, it's a true story, and I can't go into a lot of detail here, but I danced 
internal exile were uh, I think he was he was a Croatian guy and he was an, an officer and um, somebody told me after I'd, I'd done a jig with this Croatian guy when we were sitting drinking after as we always did I said oh see that guy he took a guy's head off on a balcony in front of a crowd and split and beheaded a guy in public and you kind of go Oof. And I think it was Goni Vakuf I think that was the place and it kind of, that was what happened during your day. You, you'd go out and then you'd, get, you'd hear stories and and you'd be driving to places. Sometimes when you could catch a helicopter and, you know, you, you always made friends with helicopter pilots. When you went to the bar, make friends with helicopter pilots because they would take you places, right? And you could always avoid the two-hour, three-hour arsenal in, in the back of the 110 Land Rover up Parrot Road bouncing about like shit. Avoid it by finding some nice Dutch helicopter peoples. And they would go, waka, 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 and take you to the place, and you'll be in the bar when the guys arrive, right? But it's, that was occasional. But I was there for about uh, just short of two weeks. I think if, I, if I'd stayed for another two days, I would have got a civilian service medal, right, or something like that, you know? But we drove about, and, you know, and when we did drive, I mean, there was some... We had really horrific stories. I don't want to do them here because they're, they're, some of them are really horrible and dark. And there was, I met people, I talked to people, I talked to young soldiers and ah, just getting the stories and sharing stories. They really, they were so happy that we were there just to break them out of this drudgery or, you know, doing their time service in, in, in Bosnia or Bos as it was. And, um, and you just met people from all different ways of life, you know, and I met, you know, I talked to, you know, teenagers, Muslim teenagers, right, who just looked at you with these absolute shark eyes. And they just stared and they told you what they did and kind of, you know, what had happened. And as I say, I don't want to go into these stories here, but they were, it was all taken in. It was all taken in. And um, when I went back to, you know, you were driving along roads, right? And then you'd see, you knew that the buildings, um, the certain types of roofs designated what religion the person was staying in. And like there were certain roofs you knew were where, the, where Muslim families lived and there was other roofs where the Christian families were. And then the areas where you know, the Croats or the Serbs had come in and they, they'd basically eliminated the, the, the Muslim population. You know, they, people would come down and spray paint the walls and they'd put the marks in the walls saying this is, it was designated for a hit. That was a big thing with me. And, um, and then, likewise, you see that, you know, the, 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 you know, when you went through the different areas, you could tell, you could tell by the roofs, you know, what the predominant religion was in that valley right and it was all valleys you know and certain valleys had different proportions of different religious people or racial elements it was like croatians and bosnians and serbs and it was just and in, inside all of that inside all of the, the the kind of current stuff that was going on you had all the historical stuff and i became i i got a bit obsessed with reading about the Balkans for a while. And, um, you know, you read about, you know, the history of the place and 
how Tito had formed Yugoslavia and, you know, and basically, you know, after the Second World War, you know, the, the iron fist and the velvet glove bringing Yugoslavia together. But of course, when it all started to succeed and, and uh, what was it, Slo Slovenia moved off and then it was like bang, 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 bang. And then suddenly you had Serbia claiming Bosnia and Croatia claiming things. And then you had, but you had all this stuff that went back hundreds of years. So when the 90s kicked off, what you had was like these old grievances and old family vendettas all came up, right? And they were all, and a lot of people used that as excuses to annihilate each other's families. And, you know, there, there was loads of stories about people that, you know, you know, even when we were there in 96, it was guys that would find mines and, you know, they'd plant them in, in, in the field, you know, at the gate of their field and stuff like that to, to ward off people using it as traps. And there was so much like, um, there was so many munitions kicking about. I'm, but like I said, I'm going down a rabbit hole here because there are so many stories. But I've got to address it. And I wanted to write about it. And I didn't know how to write about it. But what I saw was all this, there was a lot of name calls. The hatred that existed in amongst everything was, was, and within names and within factions and stuff. I was, I was very, very aware of it. And, uh, and when I came back, you know, it was kind of, I wanted to write a song about every man and punters are what, you know, musicians call fans at gigs. You know, how many punters are in tonight, right? And Johnny Punter became kind of the character and it was the perception of Johnny Punter, which was the perception of everybody. It was like how everybody kind of sees everything, you know, the perception of Johnny Punter. Or like, you know, and just the average man. And I launched it with this absolutely scathing lyric and I wanted to start with that I, I, I'd come up with it I can't, I can't remember where from it was somewhere around about that post Bosnia time and it was just another like a, a spooky piece of white trash just another Jew speak mick, wick, Jew speak mick, ranked motherfucker living on the planet right and um it was inspired in a way by Lenny Bruce. If, you've, if, you've, if you know Lenny Bruce, who was a comedian in the very early 60s, right, in America, he was a very political comedian, very satirical, and he had a sketch which you can see on the movie Lenny that's got Dustin Hoffman in it. And it was a very famous sketch for which uh, he, was he was arrested a number of times on stage for various things, lewd behaviour, etc., etc. But one of the, the, the kind of skits or one of the sets he did was he would walk up and he'd go out and say, you know, any niggas in the audience, any specs, blah, blah, blah. Well, we got one speak, you got two, two, da, da, da. And he'd go through all the racial types, right? And I, like I said, I've got to watch now because the days have changed so much, right? And, um, and at the end, what he said was, it's, it's words. And he said, the thing is, it's the power in a word. And, um, you know, you have to, they should be probably, if they were used all the time, then it would kind of, it would, it would take the power away from them. And I, I was in, kind of inspired by that. And I wanted to come out with like really derogatory, like very derogatory terms for a number of stereotypes right at the start. And that was punter, Johnny Punter, blah, blah, blah. And um, when, I put, when I put this, the song out, it was the first album that I managed to get out on, on Viceroy Records in America who were going through Warners or somebody. And they heard 
um, the Sunset and Empire album, heard Perception of Johnny Punter and went, wah! And um, at the time, there was a lot of rap artists that were kind of getting pulled apart for, for bad language and, and stuff. And they just, they freaked out. And they said, well, we can't really, you know, is this too dangerous to, to put out and blah, blah, blah. And they actually went round, right? All the black people in the record company and said, what do you think about this? Do you, do you object to this? Right? And nobody said anything. Right? Everybody went, it's, yeah, we get what's happening with that. You know, what's saying, you know, this isn't kind of somebody being derogatory. It's, it, was a, it was a statement. And it was great because on the, on the, I was pleased because there was a, this was brought up because on the, on the, the fish group pages, right? Hi Andy, hi Hill. Um, um, Ian and Tosh, you know, when it came up, it's like, oh dear, this we touchy subject. And there was people going on about like, oh, see, taking it in different ways. And there was a, a guy came up and he says, I'm black. And he said, at first, he said, I found it, you know, I, I kind of drew back on it. But then when I looked at it, I understood what it was about, you know? And it's about people, it's about Bosnians and Muslims and Croats and Yemeni and um, Syrians and Iranians and Iraqis. It's, you know, it's just about people, you know? And I kind of took that and then moved it into Bosnia. And the telling section, um, the spoken word section, is probably one of the most powerful spoken words that I put together. And I, th I think it was shocking at the time. When people heard it for the first time, when they heard it live, you know, they were very shocked by it all. Um, but I wanted to catch that feeling in the valley. I wanted to catch that feeling of, you know, the, the isolation, you know, you know, the little house up at the end of the valley that had been targeted, you know, and you're there with your family. And it didn't matter what race you were, what religion you were, you were there as a family man with your family around you, you know, and that's what you're protecting. And I wanted to get that across without putting into any ethnic background, any religious background, and just make it punter, Johnny punter. And then it revolves about the TV because when I came back, you know, I, I was watching, uh, having, having been down there and then watching TV, it suddenly took on, it went, everything went 3D. Everything went 3D, you know, when it came down to the Balkans with me. And I took a lot of more interest in it. And then I was like, why aren't we hearing about this? You know, this is still going on. Why aren't we hearing about this? Why is it all, why is it all moved off? You know, it was like, move along now, nothing more to see. And, um, and I think that was part of the inspiration, you know, behind Johnny Punter. The apathy that was, the apathy that was there where it's like, you know, just around the village, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was really proud of it. It's, it's a, um, it was a very heartfelt song and I, I, I love singing it. You know, to go back to the Viceroy Warner thing, they said that they wanted an American edition out and it was one of those things where I've answered on another Fish and Friday where it was um, apart from um, Antichrist to Battle Priest and Market Square Heroes, uh, the only other time I did it was on this that Viceroy release because they said, we have to change it, we have to give them an option. And we did, and I think it was put out as an option in America. And, you know, the lyric is, it doesn't have any power. It doesn't have any bite, it doesn't have any venom. And 
um, the, the one thing that everybody objected to when, when they actually took it around is that everybody objected to the word motherfucker. All right, whatever than else, but like, you know, like, can you change motherfucker? And um, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a big song for me to write. It was a, a big step forward. And that's why, you know, I wanted to, to open up the album. I wanted that hammer blow, you know, to, 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 to hit people as soon as they heard it. You know, it's a ding, ding, ding. And it's it, live, it's incredible. And em employing the silences, you know, when, when you can just go, you just stop. And just let everything go in the audience. So the audience just, it goes taut. And that I learned off, uh, not from, but I learned about uh, when Jim Morrison talked about it, holding the silence in the crowd and uh, being able to just, just having that, complete silence in a crowd and then bursting it and punter was just an amazing song to do that so i'm going to take you through with my hand right now. then i've got to play you this song through here oh because the hi-fi is in here and you know here the song if i did it so where am i going to set you up um For those of you, for those of you who don't know, right, this is from an album, it's backward there, it's called Sunsets on Empire, and this is one of the remaster series. So on the Sunsets album, there's a full explanation, I wrote loads of words about a bit Bosnian stuff, but that is kind of the hardback book with the three discs. And I will search for the remote. God damn it, else is the bloody, where is the remote? Oh, bollocks. That found it. Correct function. Optical. Ladies and gentlemen, the perception of Johnny Bunter. Like a big yeah, red motherfucker. 
I noticed these houses way up in the hill. And I tried to imagine what it would have been like living up there. Isolated from the world. Every night watching a fire as crawls slowly down the valley. I know that one night it was going to be your turn for the visit. I try and imagine what it would have been like hiding in a cellar with your family in the fear. Hoping that when they do come, when the dogs don't bark, and the silences are around you, you hope that they burn the whole house around your ears and they don't discover you hiding in the cellar because you've got nowhere to go. Perception of Johnny Punter from the Sunsets on Empire album, released 1996. Go for your clowns, we can go there another time. But yeah, so um, Sunsets and Empire remaster, it's on there. Um, I said I never listened to that before. I kind of, I never listened to that before the show. So, wow. I forgot about that because it was like it developed and it was uh um I don't get this message it kind of developed I loved the the spoken mod section and you know when, when I did it in the studio I was kind of a little bit stick up my ass but you know it was um I was a bit rigid in, in delivery but when we did it live and you could play about with it and you could the, the section extended so it was like you know okay 
and I give the cue to the musicians so I could when it came to the end of that section I just basically nodded to Dave Stewart as it was usually was at that time and uh but you could play with it and it was just I loved the drama of it I loved the I just loved the heaviness of that section but it's, it's just about people living on the planet as it says and you know it, it it took up, you know, the drug references at the start, the TV references at the end, you know, that just, it's, it's, there's a lot of Weltschmerz in there, I think. I think there's probably elements of Punter that have been, you know, dragged onto Weltschmerz or dragged into Weltschmerz. But, um, but yeah, I mean, love the song. And uh, like I said, it's, just, it's the dynamic. And, and, and of course it was written by Steve Wilson, Stephen Wilson. Who set up a brilliant riff? I mean, and he was—he was actually quite shocked when he heard it. When he actually heard the whole thing back, he didn't know really what we were going to be doing with it all, especially with, with the, the vocal element. And uh, it was Avril McIntosh that, that came up. Avril McIntosh and Andy Bradfield who've done the five to ones mixes for Veltschmans. And Andy came up, uh, and sorry, Avril came up, and we recorded the, the vocals in that, in that room where we were, uh, where I played you the track. So it was, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a big album for me that one. But, I mean, and Stephen Wilson, it was great working with Stephen, and um, it was I think it was a, a big leap for him because he was kind of trying to get out of the no man porcupine tree where it was at that time and get into a kind of heavier thing, and I think. He spun off in a, in a direction and, and I spun off in mine. But I mean, you can obviously, when you hear that, I mean, there's a lot of people, I mean, this is really interesting because, you know, whether the pre-order were Garden of Remembrance, you know, were all the, the kind of attention that's been given Garden of Remembrance and people are kind of rediscovering them. We can tell that from the remaster sales so that people are, are discovering it. So out there tonight, there are probably people going like, that sounds not like Kaylee. Uh, and, um, yeah, that was kind of where I went in, in 1996, for those of you who kind of lost me back then. But, uh, William Mavos, yeah, it was a merit marriage made them. It was the perfect time for both of us. I was looking for to do something new. Stephen was looking to do something different. And, you know, he was a big fan of Marillion. We were both big fans of certain bands like Floyd and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I discussed in a previous one when I met up with him. It was just, it was a, a perfect match at that time, you know. Um... Uh, Dimitri Panchukin. <laughs> Hello. Uh, uh, Sasha Wilhelms. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 funny. Like you know, when I look back at some of these albums and, and some of the things that I've I've, I've touched on them, you know, they're, they're still relevant. They're still kind of, it still means something. You know, it's a uh, Ken Drew, saw this tour in Boston at the Paradise. I can't recall, lost it. Da da da. Oh, da da. Come down. I missed you, mate. Patrick Mannion, Tracy McCoy. John Watson, be watching the Sunsets DVD live in Poland. The, the live in Poland, the Sunsets in Empire live in Poland uh, that we recorded in Prejmo was an absolutely blistering gig in a rain-drenched setting. It was, uh, 
watching the dancing umbrellas in front of the stage while we played that Jungle Ride. It was the best version of Jungle Ride, which is on, I think I took the, the, the version of Jungle Ride and Goldfish and Clowns from that concert. And that's on the, I think there's, there's three tracks on Sunset. So it's the, the album, oh, the, the Sunset's remastered is three discs, three CDs. The first one is the album, the second one is demos and various other versions, and then the third one is the live versions. And, you know, that band, that lineup with Mickey Simmons and uh, uh, Robin, Steve Vances and, and Squeaky Stewart, it was, that was, a, it was a strong lineup, and that gig in Prejable was great. And I died the next day, literally. I mean, I had, um, it was raining, and it was, I always catch them in Poland. It's like I always catch these horrible viruses in Poland. Maybe it's just the vodka. Zubrovka. I don't know, maybe I'm allergic to Zubrovka or vodka. But um but I got a horrific virus right after that and I lost a, a, a bunch of shows. And um but I, it was playing in the rain. When we we were drenched. We didn't even know if we'd be able to do the gig that night. Uh, yeah, so much of the close of the songs got fantastic emotion. I'd forgotten about the string ending where we went out on that kind of that kind of that cello uh, the the cello vibe thing at the end. Uh, it was great. Um, Andrew Green, Dave Stewart had white desk. Don't know what that means. Um, uh, Maya. Hello, Maya. How you doing, darling? Poland. How you doing? Sorry, I wrote on your wall. Uh, yeah. It was, Maya. It's been, we went back to their place after a, a, a film thing in, in Warsaw, Warsaw. And um, it, she wanted me to draw on her wall. The kids were really up for it. So I ended up doing a big signature on the wall. Fish was here. Right. I think I wrote a line from script. It was a... Uh... Uh... <laughs> Stu Parry, I remember seeing you bottle of Herefordshire malt backstage in Telford. Yeah, probably. I don't, I'm not, I've never been a big whiskey drinker. It's... Um... I'll drink it occasionally, but I'm not, it's not my spirit of choice by any stretch of the imagination. Um, brandy, I like a nice brandy at night. Uh, vodka, kind of went through that, it was gin, gin, gin. That's the rest of the band only drink gin. I'm not, I was never, my dad drunk Bacardi and, um, and I kind of followed in that route as you do with your dad, you know, drink Bacardi like my dad, Bacardi and Coke, uh, Cuba Libra. And, um, but I mean, you know, it tended to be wine, I mean, even beer. I didn't drink beer until I went into forestry. I just, uh, anyway, bleh. that was hurting her. Joe Vincent, you were never lost to me. Thank you, darling. No. Hansie McPansy, the story of Brother 52. That is another, that's for another program. Really, really, really. Uh, Ken Drew, R.I.P. J.J. Bell. Yeah, J.J. Bell came in on that tour. And uh, little J.J. Bell, little black guitarist, he was a tiny wee man, and he was just so much fun to be around. And uh, he was a he was a great rhythm guitarist. His lead work was kind of, didn't quite go with where Robin and was and things, but uh, it was, um, but J.J. sadly died of, of cancer. Oh, far too young, far too young. Great wee man. For those that met, met for those of you who met him, you know, you were honoured. Ray Rooks, 52 Clowns, awesome, yep, yep. Uh, do, do, do. And, uh, 
1997, great show in Boston at the Paradise, Ken Drew. Yeah, GG Bell, yeah. Um, Peter Fox living on the planet. Let's try and find some more questions. Um, da -da -da -da. Yeah, I was, thinking, I, was, I was thinking about some more Bosnian stuff when I was listening to the track. It was um, the other song that, that, that Steve Olsen did that was on, that's on the, 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 the remaster, the, the new remaster that came out was Do Not Walk Outside This Area, which was a B-side. And Do Not Walk Outside This Area was was the, the, the lettering on the side of the plane. If you ever if you ever get a window seat and you're, you're down near the wing, have a look at the window. Most of the planes say, do not walk outside this area, which means do not walk outside this area onto parts of the plane. And I remember flying back from Split and, you know, as we took off, and I had a very harrowing night last night. I mean, we didn't have... You know, we didn't have mobile phone network and things like that. And I didn't talk home. I didn't get to talk to my then wife and my, and, and my daughter until we got back into Split. And uh, I remember uh, phoning up and hearing the voices from of my family. And... I burst into tears and I cried for 20 minutes. I just, the release, just all this, the input that I'd taken over that period of two weeks in Bosnia from everybody, from all sides, right? It, it came in, it came in, it came in and it just, and I talked and suddenly it was like I was home and I could, the shield came down and I just cried my eyes out. And, uh, cause you know, I just come across so many unbelievable things and, um, I cried my eyes out and I went out um, and I slept in the balcony and it was it was a absolute thunderous rainstorm came in off the Adriatic, came in into Split and I lay on my hotel room balcony naked in the rain that night and it was, there was, I don't know, maybe it's a rebirthing, I mean, I don't know what happened, but I mean, uh, that was when I came back and, you know, Sunsets and Empire was when it all moved forward. But it was, uh, it was an incredible experience. It changed me as a person, you know, I think, to go down there. But, the, you know, that sign on the, on the, the, the wing, do not walk outside this area, when you, you're flying out of Split on the way home and you realise that you're only an hour and 30 minutes, an hour and 40 minutes, whatever, away from a war zone. And there were all these terrible atrocities being committed an hour and 45 minutes away from where I lived in a plane. And that do not walk outside this area just seemed to be, it was like a warning. It's like, don't go down there, right? And I wrote this whole song about, uh, well, you can hear it. Spotify it, if you want to buy it. Um, uh, Daniel Klein, hello. Do you miss Argentina? Yeah, great times in Argentina. Um, I remember being there on, on my birthday and, and being very, very drunk and trying to learn how to tangle with a beautiful woman in a, in a tango club. And uh, I remember we, they tried to take us to all these tango clubs and uh, the promoter, it was, it was Daniel. And um, he took us to all these uh, um, tango clubs and they were closed. So we had to move further and further into the suburbs. 
And we came across this, it looked like Dalkey's Miners Club, except they were doing tangos. And there was all these incredible women and, and, and really good looking guys. And I'm doing this, the, watching the dancing was incredible. I'd never seen that before. And it was, like I said, it was, it was like a, 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 a school hall, you know, and there was a little bar out the back and I went straight to the bar. And I was there drinking um, uh, Piso or whatever it was, the local, the local brew, <laughs> throwing it down my neck. I'd be like, you got to learn, come dance, big man, you know. And, and I, I have two left feet. I am a rubbish dancer. I mean, I'm really, I'm a terrible dancer. I've got no coordination with my hands and my feet. And somebody was trying to teach me tango when I was pissed. <laughs> Didn't work. But we had a great time. It was a fantastic time. But I remember going up to the door and there was these two Argentinian battleships, like really heavy duty bouncers at the door. And I was wearing a kilt because it was my birthday and I'm allowed to wear a kilt on my birthday. And I was going about running about Buenos Aires in the middle of the night in all these crazy suburbs, crazy dangerous suburbs, wearing a kilt, you know, when, you know, it wasn't great to be British um, at that time. And um, it was, there was still memories. And I think in the area we were in, there was, uh, and the two guys in the door were obviously ex-military. And uh, of course they hear, you know, as soon as they had the Scottish accent, I was okay and I got in. It's like, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm, I'm perfectly safe. Right. Big laughing bear. Right. Well. But yeah, Argentina had great times in there. I want to go back, but I mean, you know, I'd like, I'd like to go anywhere I want. I'd like to go and do a gig in Dalkey's Miners Club tonight. You know? But it's, uh, it's um, yeah. And South America, I mean, it's, 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 it's scary, you know, when you see what's happening down there. I mean, see, watching Bolivia, Peru, and watching the situation in Brazil, which is just crazy. And, you know, I tend to, I, I do tend to watch CNN a lot and I, I get a lot of my world stuff off CNN rather than Sky at this moment in time. Uh, yeah, Robbie Clark. I know, thank you. Paul Archibald, wine by the pint when you were up in Orkney. Shh, you ain't seen me, right? <laughs> it was only to see me going back to the bar, that's why I got in pint glasses. Uh, John White. Yeah, I've got loads of vinyl. Um, I did the vinyl thing last night. I've not listened to any vinyl this week because I've just been too goddamn busy. I've got to listen to the five to ones again because, I mean, I've been given the test this to the Blu-rays. So I have to go through all the menus and check to make sure all the menus are right. Then I've got to watch all the programmes and make sure there's no jumps and, and nothing, nothing occurs on that disc. And then I've got to listen to both five to ones um, again. And Dave Barris, David Barris... Daffy Dale. Um, he's out there and uh, he's, he's listening to it today as well. But we have till Monday, Dave, so don't worry about it. We have until Monday to get back to Leon in Holland and give him, make, just let him know it's having all right. And side three of the vinyl is on its way. So I've got the test pressing of uh, side three, um, which is that Gardener Remembrance fault that we identified. So, uh, so yeah, so this is what, it's, it's, it's spinning plates at the moment and it's so many things happening, like I said, with the, the mail order, Simone is like up to her head and beyond with the mail order, dealing with all these little questions that come in and, and stuff. And uh, I know, by the way, I know we're changing this. I know it says contact fish on the, when you go into the mail order thing, it's not me, it's Simona. So, you know, don't send her questions about touring and, and other things because it's like her email's just going, every time she empties a hundred, there's another hundred come down. So, 
Save my wife, please. I'd like to see her every now and again. Ray Rooks, Philadelphia. Simon Shepard had a thunderous storm here in Knott's. Yeah, and I get that feeling. I get that sense that still and I can, it's feeling like it might get thundery, but I love thunder and lightning. And I've got a great thunder buddy. Simone is my thunder buddy. Oh. Daniel Klein, 2005, Benasanas. Yeah, that was cool. Love the making of video on YouTube, but why put it there? You know, if people go on YouTube and watch it instead of buying the deluxe version. It's one, it's, we were asked, the press guys said, look, the song is so good. The video is so good. If we can add any, anything extra into this. So we said, okay, we'll go with that. Uh, yes, it is on the Blu-ray and wonderful HD. And uh, But yeah, I felt with Garden Remembrance, we're getting, we're, getting, we're building some impetus. Like I said last week, you know, the impact date, this new thing, the impact date, where you have the release date and then it spins through the BBC stations and spins through other stations and things. And then you go through the, the impact dates of six weeks after the single release. And if people like it at that point, then it, it can grab, go up to radio and get a lot more plays. And that's kind of where we hope that, that Garden Remembrance is, 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 is going to go. Spread it around, please. I mean, if you've, got, if you've got the video on your Facebook page, whatever, punt it around, send it to friends. I mean, it's incredible how many people have been contacting me that I've not heard of for years, gone, just saw the video, it's brilliant. So, I mean, that's fantastic. But, you know, at, at the end of the, the, the day, we just have to follow it and, and try and drive it as much as we can, you know, because, you know, we are limited. I mean, you know, I, I've, I don't have a big machinery of a major record company behind me, so I'm kind of dependent on people sharing it and spreading the news and going, like, by the way, have you heard Fishy's do single? And it, it, it's working, but anything you can do is vastly appreciated. Oh. Bruno Cavalieri in Rio. Back to Brazil, not anywhere, not anytime soon, mate. No, I mean... Norman Warburton, have you ever played Dusher Hall in Edinburgh? Yes, I have played Dusher Hall in Edinburgh. I played Dusher Hall in Edinburgh with the SES band. Spike's All-Stars, Spike Edney's uh, band, session musicians. And I can't remember the year, uh, but it was... Um, we, we did a, a, a tour of the UK with the SES band, which we'd never tried before, and it didn't work. Um, people are okay to come to big events, but they're not okay to come to a UK tour. But we played the Usher Hall, which is where I always want to play. And I sang Amori, Dean Martin's Amori. You know, when the moon hits your eye, like a big pizza pie, that's Amori. I am a crooner at heart, as my lovely lady, Madeline Bell, my fellow singer, pointed out. She went, ah, you're a crooner. Yes, deep in this prog soul. Crooner is trying to get out. But I sang Amori, which was one of my dad's favourite songs, and I sung it on stage at the Usher Hall with the SES band, and it was a glorious moment. I've been there for Hibs functions, and we did, uh, I think we did Kayleigh, whatever, some Hibs function. But I mean, uh, but I'd like to play the Usher Hall as, as an artist before, before I hang up. There's been suggestions that it should be the very final gig should be the Usher Hall. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. But it will be, it's definitely on the agenda. Paul Cavender, walking eggshells tonight? No. I'm going to play uh, 
I'm going to play, um, uh, I forgot what I'm going to play. It's Grace of God. Um, uh, takes a swig. Some of you may remember, that I've told you about this before, but I've actually damaged my shoulder. And I went to see the doctor, like I told you last week, where I went in on the Tuesday and like I was sitting there on Wednesday, Thursday, going like, in the house going like, I hope I've not picked up anything with the fear, you know what I mean? I had a sweat on one of the nights, I'm going, oh, Jesus. And um, so I went in to, to see the shoulder specialist and they have said it's been diagnosed as most probably a torn tendon, which means it's exactly the same as that, which means I'm going to have to get an operation. And I don't know when that's going to be. Uh, no idea, but on Wednesday, I've got to go into the Royal in Edinburgh again for an MRI scan. Oh, no. So I've got to get an MRI scan done on my shoulder to find out what's wrong with it, which is fair enough. But because I'm going for an MRI scan, right, you're going to love this, right? I'm going to take in the CD from Weltschmerz and I'm going to go into the, the scanner, into the MRI scanner, and I want to hear Grace of God on the headphones while I'm in the MRI scanner. I think that would be really cool, right? I mean, uh, yeah, really cool, you know? Because Grace of God was kind of very much inspired by when I had sepsis and I was, I had the two visits when I, when I caught the sepsis. And um, that was the, it was the moment. But the thing was that it was when I was in the MRI scanner um, for, in fact, I think it was from a previous shoulder operation. And um, when I came out of the MRI scanner, I said to, to Robin and Steve in the studio, I said, Gotta use the rhythm. Gotta use this rhythm, and I found the rhythm. As you'll hear on the, you on the, on the, the I explain it all in the the the, the Blu-ray on the album, and uh, on the interview disc. But basically, I heard this the sound. It sounded like a Tangerine Dream album. They said to me, "Do you want to hear Abba or whatever?" And I went, "No, I don't want to hear Abba. I'll just hear the machine." And it do 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 da 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 Tangerine Dream. Yeah, that's why I work. And I came back and played and found it on a website, found the sound, sent it down to the front of the control room where Robin and Steve were playing about. And Robin had come up with this riff and it was exactly the same key and exactly the same rhythm as the scanner. And that was what was the basis for the start of Grace of God. So on Wednesday, when I go into the Royal for my MRI scan, I'm going to be, it's like some strange spiritual feedback. And I'm going to be going in there and I'm going to listen to Grace of God sitting in the MRI scanner that inspired Grace of God. Do -de 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 -de. Uh, no. Nigel Oliver, love a good thunderstorm. I remember going to watch Shakespeare's The Tempest at the Minnick Theatre on the cliffs of Cornwall and there was a storm all at sea, really atmospheric. That sounds actually really cool. That sounds really good. Ian David Richardson, is there any song you wish you'd written? Uh, I don't know, there's so many great songs. 500 Miles, maybe. <laughs> Sunshine and Leith, because I always get very jealous of the Proclaimers who are kind of, who are met and they're, they're, they're really good guys. They're good, you know, we have a good time when we're together. But, uh, yeah, every time we hear Sunshine and Leith, it's like, you know, they've absolutely, like, cornered... They've cornered Easter Road as far as music goes. Proclaimer songs, Easter Road, right? Nobody nobody wants to hear Fish Easter Road. Nobody wants to hear Fish. But lucky, 
When we recorded Lucky in 1991, Mickey Simmons and I, we, what we wanted to do was to go on Easter Road and we wanted to try and get the crowd to sing, could it be you, could it be me, right? And it uh, never happened. <laughs> we we realised, we, we went in to see one game and went, there's no way we're going to be able to get a, a crowd under control. We, we wanted to do it like kind of like the Floyd had on Fearless. You'll never walk alone. Could it be me, could it be you, right? And... Um, and the only time I ever did it was on Fellini days. And on Fellini days, uh, we recorded So Fellini and I think it was Oosterpoort and Groningen. And on that tour, we actually like did it. We're, we're writing a new album. We want you to do this. It was So Fellini, So Fellini. And when you hear that on the Fellini album, that is the, the, the Dutch crowds at Oosterpoort and Groningen kind of singing that song. It's great. It's 25-2. Mm. Oliver Datner, fishies have no shoulders. Go away. Uh, dips down through it. George Connor, Grace of God, yes. Sonny Dunny, Val Gamble. Lizzie and Sam here from Lincolnshire. If you had to pick what would be your favourite Floyd song, hope all is good. Lizzie Cox Edge. Uh, Favourite Floyd song? Fearless. The, the version I loved. I loved Fearless when I first heard it on Meadow, and that's why I covered it on Songs for the Mirror. And I really thought we did we did justice to that Floyd song. And it was great when on the Songs for the Mirror tour in kind of 93-ish, opening up with that. Doo -doo, bam, bam, bam. Great. And there's a brilliant live version on it from the Sushi album on the remaster as well. So... 92,000, Anita, Har Anita Hartman, 92,000 views on YouTube for Garner Remembrance. We watch the video every day. Thank you. Yeah, it's stunning. There's a lot of people picking up on this video. What's the story behind Grace of Godfish? I'll tell you as I walk through, to take you through, because I'm going to play you vinyl again. Some of you were amazed at the, the, the lack of contact noise on, the, on the, the vinyl, the surface noise. And because what I'm playing you, is a test pressing. So these are the the pressings that are first made, they're the, the first stamp ones that they send across for us to listen to before they press the big green button and do the run. So we have to check again for cracks, pops, crackles, jumps, anything that's wrong. But because um, Barry Grinch at Alchemy uh, mastered this at half speed, which meant it, it, there was a lot more detail captured on the, on the lacquer, and that's what gives this, the, the Velschmerz vinyl, like so much oomph, right? And it, it's interesting, I mean, I can say this, I mean, on the, I was, if something surprised me today, because I hadn't, I, I don't check the numbers, I don't go, how many have we sold today, like da, da, da. And I said to Simone, I said, just interesting, how many had we done? And we've done a thousand vinyl out of 3,000 that, that are ordered on the first run. And, uh, and that's the most vinyl that I've ever sold. And Rob Scarron, who I was talking to today, he said, there's a phenomenon out now, and I've never heard this because it was youth, youth talking. And he see, Rob said, he said, like most of his mates, right, what they do is they listen to it on Spotify, but they buy the vinyl. So they listen to the album on vinyl, but they, as, as a kind of scatty about, but they use Spotify. And, it's, and maybe this is what's happening, but we've done a thousand vinyl records and, and, and basically, seven days 
which is phenomenal. But this vinyl, it's like because it's been uh, uh, it's been cut from a half speed, uh, it's been cut a half speed master. It's like that detail that's going on to it is incredible, and that's why there is little surface noise and the fact that this is is like really virgin vinyl. So, grace of God was when I was in the hospital with sepsis, and it was um, sepsis the second time. That was the time when we're in here. When um when I was in the ambulance, it was uh, they had to stop halfway through. Um, I mean, when we got to about Wallerford, they, they pulled the ambulance in on the 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 A1, and they had to get the oxygen out because I was finding really hard to breathe. And he said, "You got," he said, "An hour, thirty, forty minutes." He said, "You'd be critical," and that was a big hit. And that was. I cried that day when I was when I left the house because I mean, I, I wasn't sure whether I'd ever be back. I mean, uh, I mean, it was you know I wasn't, you know I was like I was scared, you know. And then when I went in the hospital, then it was like the nurses at the Royal were absolutely brilliant. The war nurses were tremendous. But you know, I was looking at other people and other families and things, and um, and there was guys there, there was people there that were a lot worse off than me. And uh, and I remember thinking at the time, yeah, but for the grace of God, why, right? And that was kind of what it was about. So it was it was an extension of how I was feeling. Like I said, when I went to for the MRI scan and things, like, it was uh, that was kind of scary because of over the over that period, it was it, it was nervy nervy times. And um, but like I said. From the scan or into the operation, and then I kind of I'm remembering my dad as well. When my dad was in the the Western General, and going in to see him at the time, and uh, there was a lot of images, a lot of kind of experiences, little photos that I was taking, you know, in my in my time in the Royal Infirmary, and you'll see that on the um, on the album because Mark has taken some of the, the images and things that, that I told him about and stuff from the lyrics. And it's one of my favourite uh, images, where he's got the guy with the um, the mask on, standing under the weeping birches, you know, watching. It's like at the Royal Hospital, you know, you know, when people that are in there for obviously like with serious lung pro problems, right? And they're kind of going out, was standing around with these the guys in the wheelchairs with amputated legs because of um, you know whatever blood circulation problems, and they're all sitting there smoking cigarettes in the, in the rain underneath. And, Round this weeping birch tree, and I, it was a kind of very profound image, and it, it kind of hit me, and that transferred in it. But there was that. Remember my daughter when she went in to see my dad, and then and watching other kids coming into the ward. You know when I was there, and you know there was some people in the the, the ward, ward when I was, and uh, you know they were in a lot worse position than I was, and uh, and watching the kind of family coming in. You know, my mind just ticked over, and my mind, you know, as Mark Wilkins says, and Mark Wilkinson says in his documentary, you know, it's, uh, my mind just goes. I'm taking photographs, and I'm thinking, and I'm going, how do I put this into words? How do I explain this in words? So, without further ado, oh.
This is grace of God. Oh, uh-huh. 
Grace of God from the Veldschmerz album. The new album available from fishmusic.scotland, pre-order now, blah, 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 blah. The battery is running low on the PC, on the laptop. Skies getting a little bit cloudy, but it's not too bad. It's Friday. I noticed that it's interesting to notice that, like, uh, the actual live viewing figures um, drop down, but people watch over the next three, four days. It's interesting. So, um, welcome to the rerun. Please don't enter any competitions. <laughs> Jane Charlton, da da da, cool, cool, cool. Mary Carol Lindblom, fantastic piece. It is a great song. I love it. And like I said, when I'm in, the, I'm thinking about me. I think it's about seven o'clock on Wednesday. I'll be in an MRI machine listening to that on headphones. <laughs> I'm quite looking forward. To that. I don't mind MRIs. I don't mind MRI scans. It's, um, you know, that was a science fiction thing when I was a kid. You know, maybe go in a machine that can look at your bones and your tendons and things. It's like, but so. Uh, and so, it's Friday. Some of you are thinking about going out to the pub, going out to restaurants, maybe. Maybe you're down the beach. Maybe you've been down the beach and you're coming back and you're watching this late at night. Um, yeah, Liam, my stepson, he went out to the beach today. Um, socially distanced teenager, but I think I've been living with a socially distanced teenager for the last four years here. <laughs> Teenagers are always socially distanced. In the house, anyway. And... Um, <laughs> we never see him. He's in his room all the time. He's 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 been in lockdown since two thousand and sixteen. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he's away down the beach, and you know, we had to give him you know, da 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 hand gel. You know, be careful, watch what you're doing. And uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, I, I was I'm watching the Nicola Sturgeon's um, health broadcast today on on BBC Scotland, and you know, she was saying the right things, and. Uh, you know, we're lucky that we, we've got a really cool First Minister that seems to be in control, you know, as I said before. I mean, lots of mistakes were made by lots of people in the early days, but I think, you know, it's the fast learners that are, that are going to make this happen. And, uh, you know, I feel sorry for you guys down in, in Manchester, Blackburn, Sandy and the Rasmataz guys, I mean, Darwin. You know, I've got, I've got people down there, I've got friends down there, and, you know, I know what it's like, but... You know, the bottom line is, you know, the same way as the sound engineer was talking about, you know, you know, on what radar was, my sound engineer radar was saying and, and what the sound engineer did on the on independent, when he's showing the photographs, it's like, if we don't adhere to the kind of rules and the regulations, it's just going to take so much longer to get under complete control. And we need to do that. And if it means not going to Spain for holidays or whatever, I mean, People, I saw people stamping their feet about, you know, coming back and having to go into quarantine after going away on holiday for Spain. I wouldn't even contemplate going away anywhere on a holiday at this at this moment in time. And um, I understand that everybody wants our holiday, everybody wants our break and, you know, wants to, you know, wants to let off some steam and things. But, I mean, you know, the German figures are going up mainly because of youth and... Um, you know, parties in Bulgaria, parties in, parties in, in uh, down in, in 
Spanish islands and coming back and, and you know, flurries and explosions. We won't get it under control until we kind of follow the rules. And it's like, you know, just if you're going out, if you, you go to shops, you have to wear a mask now. I mean, now, you know, we've had it up here for a while, but now you have to wear it. Just be thoughtful of other people and just think the little sacrifices you make now mean that the more everything is got under control, the more things are under control, the more we can free up and get back, you know? And as I said, at this moment in time, whatever, the way everything's going, we're, there are no gigs in the foreseeable future. And, you know, my heart really goes out to a lot of these young musicians that have got first albums and, you know, they're just on the cusp of, you know, going for that thrust towards stardom. And then suddenly it's like, stop. And uh, think about them, you know, because as I said, I mean, the complacency that's is coming to some people, you know, it, it's it's gonna it's got kickbacks. It's got um you know, the more we pay attention to what we're doing, you know, the quicker this is gonna go away. And as I said, I mean, when I walk out on stage to that microphone, I mean it's gonna I mean, I can I can imagine the roar in the hall when we play the first note of the first song of the first gig after lockdown. And I want to make that happen. And, you know, let's try and make it happen. You know, let's just try and grab it. And like I said, make these few sacrifices. Wearing a mask is not a big deal. Washing your hands before you go out and things and just taking care and stuff. You know, it's not a big deal. It's easy, you know. There's no point in stamping your feet and going, I'm not going to get told to wear a mask. It's like, just do it, you know. What issue, what, what big problem, what are you losing from doing that? But that's it. Okay, that's my kind of Uncle Fish kind of COVID thing. It's eight o'clock. We've not done it yet. Darling! Darling! Yeah. Hello. Simona. <laughs> Go come see Simona's got a great T-shirt on. And Hello. Simona was at the hairdresser this week as well, and she had all those split ends all sorted out, but she's got big hair, See, which is don't, great. Don't embarrass me. Uh -huh. So we're going to have um, filled pancakes with cauliflower and cream sauce. Lecker. And because he loves his meat, he gets a slice of ham. But not more. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, darling. Okay. Bye. So that was Simona with the meal tonight. So it's cauliflower and sauce and pancakes. And um, it's very slurty blunt first, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but it's good, it's good. I was, Simona started to make me that in Dulac when I stayed out in Dulac. Um, I've got to say hello, Carsten, and I've got to say a big hello to Daniel at KSC as well. Daniel, I hope everything works out okay, and I've heard there's all sorts of eruptions, so. If you're watching, Carsten, say hello to Daniel for me and stuff. To everybody else, my computer's now gone off. It's died, so I'm out. Andy McIntosh, wish Tony Terrell a happy 50th, of course. I sent him a message today. I saw Tony's 50th come up, and he's having a little moment in lockdown. Uh, I think I covered a lot of stuff tonight. Um, like I said, the Bosnian stuff is, is just such a huge, amalgamous, massive story. You know, the, the, in the biographies, it's going to take up thousands and thousands and thousands of words um, because it was such a profound experience. Thank you again for watching and 
uh, tonight or whenever you're watching in. Please do what you can to spread the word about Gardner Remembrance and the, the Velschmatz album. Um, if you've got a problem with mail order and stuff, um, all the little the confirmation notes, the email stuff was all kind of tinkered and changed, so like there should be a, a flood of confirmations going out and things. We'll be getting facts and, and, and we'll be doing some tinkering and readjusting on, on the site in the, in the next week or so just to get absolutely everything fine-tuned. It's working. The whack-a-mole stuff that we did in the last week's really helped. But until next Friday, because I will be back, as always, which will be number 20, the twenty our 20th anniversary together. Our 20th. Is that silver? I don't know. What's 20th? Anyway, it'll be an Erdinger one. It's a, a beer one. It's a beer anniversary. So until then, follow the rules, look after yourselves, look after the people you were, uh, look after your families, and just, you know, be smart. Just be smart. And that's all it takes is just for people to be smart and be knowledgeable and, you know, be sensible. Until next Friday, this is myself, the fish, saying take care and stay alive. Watch what you're doing.